Welcome to 2023 at Bridgeway, the year of power. I have been waiting for this year for the longest time, but we weren't ready. God has been doing so many things to adjust and shift and sift and move and get our hearts ready to where the majority of us are in a place now going, I know there's more. I know there's more. God, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. When we started getting that bubbling up, I thought now is the time. I've had this year designed out for a while. I was just waiting for the right time. I was waiting for the right hunger to be in our hearts. Where once again, it was no longer about arguing about stuff. It was about, I just want everything God has for me. Let's be the church and transform the world, right? So what that means is that Today, we are launching a 40-part series. You ever been a part of a 40-part? Listen, man, back in the day, I did Being Jesus. That was 100 parts. This is less than half of that, right? So this is cake. We're doing a 40-part series walking line by line through the book of Acts. We are going to watch the new church explode and the supernatural work that they did and how the church had to try to organize itself and figure things out. It was so crazy and so messy. There is no way you're not going to come in every week and just get fired up, right? Because you're watching them live it out and actually be the church. And so we're going to bring in guest speakers and they're going to be, you know, be amazing and exciting, you know, exciting. And all this is going to happen. We have a small topical series about the power of freedom. Some of us have really been hurt by grief and we've never been able to process it. Some of us have been involved in addictions and we need some freedom. We'll do stuff like that. There is so much amazing material God's going to have us cover this year but it's really important that we put it into action, right? That we would be the church of Jesus Christ. I, I, just, I just have to tell you, this year is amazing. I already know it. It's gonna change you. So let's talk about it. Why power? Why the year of power? Like, what am I, what am I thinking? What am I talking about? Because you could look at it and go, oh my gosh, power can have a negative connotation, right? If you knew that somebody was power hungry, you'd be like, ew, those people are gross, right? You don't want that. Like that doesn't resonate with your spirit. It seems like they're power grabbing and it's power of people over people. That is not at all what I'm talking about. That is not Jesus' style. You wanna know what I'm talking about with power? Listen to this. I'm talking about what God gives us with the strength, the energy, and ability to do the right things. I'm talking about it's the power from the Lord that allows us to continue doing ministry when we grow weary. It's the power of the Lord that allows us. <coughs> Goodness gracious. I'm glad I wasn't wearing a mic. It's power from the Lord that allows us to stand up when the world tells us to sit down. It's the power of the Lord that allows people to be healed and set free. It's the power of the Lord that flows through prayer. It's the power of the Lord that heals marriages and relationships. It's the power of the Lord that saves us. You guys, this is the power I'm talking about. We need more of that flowing in our lives. How do I know that? Because I've been observing, I've been watching, I've been checking out. How are our lives going? Are we having the victory that we need to have? And I don't believe that we are. I believe the enemy has kept too much territory in our hearts, in our neighborhoods, and our communities. I, I know we need more because so many of us are addicted to the things of this world. 
Some of us are just feeling like we're just getting by. Just getting up in the morning is difficult. I know because some miracles aren't happening that should be. I know because we're not having the impact that we should have in our families, our friendships, our workplaces, and our schools. I know we need more. I know we need the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us because there's more victory to be had. I don't believe we should be living in a victim mentality. I think we should be living with our shoulders back and our head held high. You are a child of God. That's hardcore, amen? Yeah, and this is what, yeah, this is what we're talking about, right? Now, for some of us, this is gonna be new, right? We're gonna be learning stuff and we're just, whoa, mind blow, right? Oh, I never even thought about it. For others of us, you know the material All you need is a change in perspective because what you're gonna find out is God's been doing supernatural stuff through you the whole time. What you're gonna find out is the Holy Spirit has been moving through things that you didn't even think were the Holy Spirit. What you're gonna find out is you've been operating in the ministry. You've been doing it. You just didn't call it that. It seems so normal to you. We're all gonna have our eyes opened one way or another to how God wants us to live. Really, this is the year of the church on fire. Yeah, that's what we need. So let's talk about this idea of power and authority, right? When we're talking biblically, what are we talking about power and authority? How do you tell the difference between those two, right? Well, the the easiest way is to think about how law enforcement works. So law enforcement, police officers are issued two things. They're issued a badge. The badge is authority. The gun is power, What does it mean? The uh, badge of authority says that when they make a decision, they are not supposed to make decisions of their own on their own agenda. They're supposed to do what the department has told them to do. In other words, the city has empowered the department, the department has empowered the individual, and they're to carry it out. That badge means I'm doing it on behalf with authority from the ones that sent me right? But let's say everything goes wrong or there is an evil that needs to be stopped because it's resistant. That's when you have to be able to enforce your word. Does that make sense? You have to have power to break through so that things are made right. That's the way it is in a Christian's life. You guys, we have authority in Jesus. We are able to sign his name to the checks that we are writing. But sometimes there are some things that are resistant and we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit to break through it. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the power in prayer where all of a sudden walls fall down because you prayed the wall down. I'm talking about getting the enemy out of the way. This is what I'm saying. Not only do you have the authority to walk out in it, but you have the power that can back it up. This is what we need to understand. Now, to fully understand it, let's grab two pieces of our identity. If you're a note taker, write these down. I'm gonna give you two very important identity key markers that will really help you understand who you are and why this is a part of who you are, all right? Number one, write this down. You are a child of God, child of God, right? But If we're children of God and God is the king, what does that make us? Well, we would be princes and princesses. Is that true? That means if we are carrying out the will of our father, the king, then we have the right and authority to make things the way he wants them. If we are operating out of who we are, you're like, well, I don't don't feel like a child of God. 
hold on a second. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God, whether you feel like it or not. Now, what am I talking about when I say Christian, right? What am I talking about? Am I talking about perfect people? Yeah, there aren't any of those, right? Certainly not in this church, right? I ain't one of them, and uh, trust me, Larry and I have been around long enough. We know there ain't none of those in here, all right? I'm not talking about perfect people. I'm not talking about people that have their lives all organized. What I'm talking about is somebody that fell at the feet of Jesus and said, I need you. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is someone that comes to the end of themselves and starts with God. A Christian is somebody that says, I've been living for me and it's not sufficient. I know there's something deeper. I was built for more. There's, there's people that can finally realize I have no afterlife plan. And they fall at the feet of Jesus just like the rest of us. And we say, Lord, save me. I am sorry for what I've become. I'm sorry for the way that I've acted. I need your washing. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. That's a Christian. If you have ever done that, you are a child of God, whether you feel like it or not. This is the hard thing about identity. Can you imagine being adopted as a teenager? You've lived your whole life one way. All of a sudden, this family adopts you. You're 15, 16 years old, and just because someone signed some papers, you have a new last name, and all of a sudden, new responsibilities, new resources, right? All of a sudden, you're going, but I don't feel any different than I did yesterday. But you are different. Everything about your reality shifted, but it takes a little while to live into it, for you to uh, own it, right? It's kind of like a brand new pair of jeans, right? You put on those new jeans, they're so stiff and awkward unless you get the little stretchy kind like I do. I like those because they're comfortable right out of the gate. Okay, anyway, if you're wearing like normal male jeans, then, 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 you have, then you have like some resistance, right? You gotta break it in. And then all of a sudden it starts feeling right and you're like, yeah, those are my favorite jeans, you know, that kind of thing, right? But it takes a little bit to own it, to feel it. So I'm telling you, you are a child of God and that comes with certain responsibilities and resources. Write down number two, ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors of Christ. Jesus Christ said, follow me and I will give you the right to operate and act on my behalf. We are ambassadors for heaven. Ambassadors operate in the authority of the one who sent them. We have been sent by Jesus Christ to do Jesus Christ stuff. That means we are on his team and we do stuff for him, amen? That's what we do. Write this down on your notes, right? Matthew 10.1, Matthew 10.1. This is crazy. God gave power out to other people. You're like, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the most famous group was his 12. You guys remember that? We call them the 12 disciples. They really became the 12 apostles, right? Just write down Matthew 10:1. Check this out. It says, and Jesus called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits, that's demons, to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus shared that authority and power. You're like, well, I'm not an apostle. Hold up, he did the exact same thing with the 72. That was the next wave that went out. You're like, well, I'm not part of the 72. Yeah, but then he did it like I'm Philip and he promised it for all of his followers. That's us. We have that power and that authority because of who we're connected to. You know what, 
The best story in the Bible that talks about power and authority that just blows my mind is the story of the healing of the centurion's servant. Do you remember this story? If not, let me tell it to you. So Jesus is hanging out in his home base area, his hometown of Capernaum. He was probably living with Simon Peter, right? I don't know if you knew Jesus was a couch surfer, right? So he was hanging out with Peter. And so he's doing ministry one day. He's got all his disciples around him and everything, all these, all these Jewish folks, right? And he's teaching, and all of a sudden, up walks a Roman centurion. Now, I, I don't know if you know history, but the Romans and the Jews didn't exactly get along, right? They didn't like being uh, dominated, yeah? So it was, it was kind of tense. But when this guy walks up, everybody's like, oh, man, I love this guy. He's a believer in God. And they even tell Jesus, he's the one that built our synagogue. He put money into it and he took care of us. We love this guy. You've got to help him. I don't even know what he needs, but you've got to help him. And Jesus is like, all right, cool. Hey, brother, what can I do for you? And he said, sir, here's the reality. The reality is that I have a servant at home who's paralyzed and in constant agony. And it's really hurting my heart. I care about who I have working for me and who is part of my team. And I'm just saying, I know who you are. And if you are willing, you can heal him. And this is so extraordinary, right? And you know, normally Jesus is like, hey, Jews first, we'll handle the Gentile thing later. Right here, he's like, you know what? Absolutely, I'm willing. Hey man, what's your address? I'll put it in my GPS, right? You know, he's like, hey, let's, let's go to your house. And this is crazy. The centurion says, sir, no offense, but I am not comfortable having you in my house. I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. I know who you are. And I'm telling you, you are the king of creation. So here's the deal. I'm a man that works under authority. Whatever the Roman Empire asks me to do, I always do it, and I do it well. I got guys under me, and if I tell them to get something done, they get it done every time. Sir, if you just say the word, all of nature will bow to you, and my servant will be healed. You got to imagine everyone sitting around there, their jaws on the ground, right? And Jesus is like, you guys never say cool stuff like that. <laughs> Man, I've been walking with you for like years. You never say stuff like that, right? And he says, wow, what faith. And he looks over at him, and you got to imagine with a smile on his face and a little wink, he's probably like, nicely done, man. That was well done. You can go home. Your servant's fine. What did that guy know about the authority Jesus was wielding? He knew that Jesus, as the king of creation, can bend reality at any moment. He knows that Jesus is like, oh, weird, I don't have a boat. No problem. Water, you will support me. Boom, just walks across it. Sh changes reality. Wind and waves are acting up. Guys, shut it down. Boom, all nature bows down. They know exactly who he is. This is the authority he was operating in under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he got baptized and empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that empowers you. This is crazy. We've got to realize we are walking locked and loaded and we just don't even understand it. We're not living into it. So it begs the question, what do we need more power for? Why do we need supernatural power, right? 
Because we're kind of like, well, yeah, I got a couple problems. Like, my remote doesn't work. And I would love to just pray over it. That would be awesome. Okay? You're like, just change the batteries, bro. What is wrong with you? Anyway, we have these things. We're like, well, I don't really understand why I need supernatural power. Here's the reality. If you don't know, it's because you're living for yourself. No, 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 no. You live for God. You build his kingdom, not your kingdom. Your kingdom doesn't need supernatural power. His kingdom does. He's got stuff for you to get done for him. And in order to get it done, you need to walk in your authority and your power. That's how it works. Too many of us are living life through this victim mentality that we're beat up by the world. No, 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 you shake that off. You stand up strong, right? Because here's the reality. We're all thinking, oh, I gotta get the best for me. I gotta do the best for me, 401k, blah, 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 blah. Hold on a second. You don't need supernatural power for that. You need supernatural power when God says, I want you to go set somebody free, right? We better be thinking through that. We are not here to build our kingdom. We're here to do Jesus stuff. Let me give you four examples of things that we're gonna carry out in Jesus' name. Write these down. If you're a note taker, write them down. I'm gonna give you four things that I know are the will of God that I know are in alignment with what he wants to do. How do I know that? Because they were Jesus' primary things that he carried on his heart. And we are the body to carry out what Jesus wants to do today. This is his MO. Write down number one, ready? Seek and save that which is lost. Seek and save that which is lost. That's what Jesus said. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. What does that mean? It means salvation. We gotta get the gospel out there. You're like, I'm not a Messiah. I can't save anybody. Nobody said you could. But look at the example of Paul the Apostle. He said, I will do anything. I become all things to all men that I might, what? Save some. He knew that Jesus does the saving, but he sets the table. He knows that Holy Spirit does the saving, but he can get them next to him, right? So whether or not it is being the loving neighbor, whether or not it's being the good friend, whether or not it's being the one that invites, whether or not it's the one being the, the debater, right? Talking through issues and handling questions, whether or not it's just holding somebody's hand when they cry. You better be Jesus in their midst because they need to be saved, they need to be rescued, and you're the one shot they got. We gotta seek and save that which is lost. We are the primary voice boxes of God today. How do we know? Romans 10. How are they gonna get saved unless they hear the gospel? How are they gonna hear the gospel unless you tell them? You're like, well, God should do it on his own. Yeah, he could, but he doesn't want to. It's on our watch. We share the gospel. That's how it works. Number two, write this down. Defeat the works of the devil. Defeat the works of the devil. Jesus literally said, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? It says that he is on this planet roaming around what? Seeking whom he may devour. It says that he is here to tear down and destroy and give out lies. Like literally look at the chaos of our world. That is the handiwork of the devil. So what do we do? Reverse it, fight it, shut it down. Bring about restoration. What was Jesus doing? The, Satan had led our world into decay and sin and death came in and brought disease. Jesus said, I'm gonna be changing some things around here, right? And we need to be operating in that, taking back territory for Christ. Write down number three. 
Number three, replace lies with the truth. Replace lies with the truth. Listen, the world has enough opinions. Honestly, I'm not even interested in Christian opinions. They're kind of irritating me. Okay? Because what I'm interested in is truth. We have the word of God. When you are talking from the word of God, you didn't come up with it. That was not your idea. That was God's idea. We got to do our study so we share it rightly. But we don't need to be sharing our opinions as much as we need to be sharing God's opinion. You understand what I'm talking about? We know the truth. This book right here has the truth, not an opinion, the truth with a capital T. There is stuff in here the world does not know. There are people in the world today that believe God hates them. That is not what the word of God says. The word of God says, God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. There are people believing that they've sinned too far and they can't be saved. That's wrong. What does the Bible say? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. You're not unsavable. People are believing that God is just waiting to hit them over the head with a hammer, and yet he has given them a right to become a child of God. And Romans 8 says, for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. There's truth in here the world does not know. And they need to know that they're loved, that they're pursued, that there is salvation being offered to them, that there is hope, I don't know what you're talking about, but there's nothing more interesting than talking about that. The world needs the truth. They're getting lied to and it's not okay. They're being told that they're only valuable for what they can produce and perform. That is incorrect. They are precious because they were made precious. We need to tell them the truth, y'all. Number four, write this down. We need to set people free. Set people free. John 8, 36, Jesus said, whom the Son sets free will be free indeed. You know that. That means if not everyone is totally free, our job's not done. What am I talking about? I'm talking about we have the answer that if someone finds out their addiction isn't being broken by merely 12 steps. Why is Celebrate Recovery so powerful? because it involves Jesus. When we're talking about marriages that are unsavable and we need a miracle, only Jesus brings a miracle. We have a solution to that which bonds and destroys. I I, I kid you not, our world is full of people addicted, suffering, bound, and terrorized by a broken world and a literal enemy, and they need to be helped and set free. Listen to that, write down this passage, Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38. Tell me you can't put any Christian's name in this passage, because this is powerful. Ready? Here we go. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, or we could replace your name, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, let's put your name in there, Right? And God anointed Marjorie with the Holy Spirit and with power, and she went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with her. Because it's not your power, right? It's God's power. It's not that you're good enough to do it. It's not that you're strong enough to do it. It's not about you. 
So I don't care whose name we put in there. All right, we're gonna put in Rick. And God anointed Rick with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is what I'm talking about. Jesus led an example we gotta follow. We are still the church. We look at the book of Acts and we're like, oh, the church, hold on, that's us. We're the continuing story. You don't look back at Acts and think those are different people. We are indwelt by the same spirit, empowered by the same spirit, saved by the same spirit, equipped by the same spirit. We're just doing it in a modern day setting. You know, when we romanticize the book of Acts and people in the Bible, we've done a disservice. We always look at them and it looks so cleaned up. Like they knew what they were doing. They knew how to do all miracles. They knew how to fix all situations. They didn't. They were a mess. They're just human beings sorting it out. So when you do it, it's not different. Oh, well, I could never be like Elijah. I could never be like, are you human? Do you know the almighty God? Well, then, yeah, I think everything's on the table, right? Because it was never about that person in the first place. You see, this, to, to me, this is so, so powerful. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Hallelujah. Woo! You're gonna do what Jesus did and collectively we're gonna do greater things. Amen. Why? Because he has more to do. He's not done He's still doing stuff. Now, I'm gonna give you one disclaimer here. When we're talking about the power and authority of God, we ain't playing around. This is legit. This is dangerous stuff. It would be super cool that if everyone that got saved suddenly became healthy and mature, but that's not happening, right? God can't even help us drive better. Have you noticed this, right? We are just as mixed up and toxic and dysfunctional. We're still trying to figure it out and sort it out. But you have been equipped from day one with some pretty powerful weaponry. So ultimately what we need to do is we need to be mature about it, right? So we gotta learn some of that stuff. Here's the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. God's power requires understanding and stewardship. God's power requires understanding and stewardship. So let's talk about the book of Acts. It's what the church can look like. That's, that's the bottom line to the whole story. We call ourselves the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, being a family, but what does it look like to act like the church? That's this book. Because think about it. How did the gospels leave off? Remember, those are the ones, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the ones that talk about Jesus's life and ministry. How did they end? So Matthew ends with what we call the Great Commission. Jesus gathers all of his buddies around and he says, guys, all authority has been given to me by God over heaven and earth. Now go in my name and change the world. That's how it ends, okay? Then we find out that Luke adds a new piece to that. Jesus gathers everyone together and is like, I've already given you authority, but hold on, you need something else. I need you to wait until the Holy Spirit hits you and gives you power, then you'll be ready to go. Well, then the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark, closes out with like weird stuff. And if you are one of my followers operating in my power, some weird stuff's gonna happen. 
Like we're talking about signs and wonders. You're like, well, what are you talking about? He's talking about speaking in tongues and healing and casting out demons and sharing the gospel. He put all that in. When you close like that and then Jesus leaves, you have to ask the question, how did it go? And that's the book of Acts. Well, how did it go? Well, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. That's the whole book that breaks out, right? So how you read a book, the, the perspective you come into it with, the bias you read into it is gonna change everything. First of all, if you don't believe in the supernatural, you're gonna really struggle this year because the book of Acts is all supernatural. It's what they did what Jesus did and they were doing crazy radical stuff. Were they also doing practical stuff? Yeah. Were they also doing gospel stuff? Yeah. But they also were like hard in the spirit, right? They were doing some pretty radical stuff. So that's why it's so inspiring, but it's kind of like, ooh, I should be doing a little bit more than just watching Netflix, dang. Right? So let's get in the right context. Who wrote the book? Luke. How do we know that? Because he said, hi, I'm Luke. That was very helpful. He says it right at the beginning, and he wrote it to his buddy Theophilus. Who's that guy? Don't know, don't care. But he wrote it around AD 62 to 64. Now you go, why is that important? Because it's roughly 30 years after the death of Jesus. That's important because we needed to have time for the new church to get rolling so we could reflect on it. But then Paul had to get saved, do all his stuff. And then Luke was on those journeys. Then he writes it at the end of all those missionary journeys where it's still fresh in his mind and he just throws down. Did you know that the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were likely written after Paul wrote his letters? That's weird. We always think that they wrote in order, right? Oh, the gospel parts were first. Nope, Paul's parts were first. Then the gospel. So they were looking back like 20 years. Like, man, I remember when I was walking with Jesus and they were doing a reflection, okay? This is fresh off the press. I was just out there. I just saw this stuff. That's why there's so much detail in Luke's account. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. What did Jesus do? Then Acts, volume two, and how did it go for the church? That's, that's what it is. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about how it's organized. This is super important. Jesus said a very special prophecy. He said, you, my followers, will be my witnesses. Now, he didn't say you'd be good witnesses. He said you would be witnesses. Some of us are good, some of us are bad, right? Because if you're a Christian, you're a walking billboard for God. Whether you're a good one or a bad one, you're still a billboard. You don't get to hide it, right? You will be my witnesses to all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Do you remember this phrase? You go, huh, that's weird. What does that mean? It means, and first it's gonna be a primarily Jewish thing in the southern Israel, that's gonna get hit hard. Then we're gonna expand out into the rest of Israel, which is Samaria, the rest of the area, and then we're gonna reach the known world. Well, how is Acts organized? I'm gonna tell you what happened in the south Israel, then we grab the Gentiles and the Samaritans, the rest of Israel, then a dude named Paul gets saved and takes it overseas. That's why it's organized that way. It's following the prophecy line. Super simple. But the things you need to know about it, there are some special things about the book of Acts or you're gonna read it wrong. You need to know it is a young, messed up, fledgling church. I, I, I think of it the way, have you ever seen a baby moose be born? 
and try to stand up, boy, are they awkward. That's, I feel like the early church is a baby moose, right? Because you're watching them, they're all over the place. And, and everybody is like, oh, I remember this movement in the 90s, right? The movement in the ancient church, we gotta go back in time. We gotta go back to being like the Church of Acts. I was like, no, that's a terrible idea. What are you talking about? Well, what they meant was they wanted to capture the purity and the power of it. But I'm saying, man, you go back to Acts, you gotta get all the immaturity, all the craziness, all the chaos. Do you realize the early church in the book of Acts, we're gonna read stories where the church schisms and splits and the Gentiles hate the Jews and everybody's got problems with each other. They even have to work through this in their church. Their pastor, Peter, killed two people in church. Have you had to handle that at Bridgeway? Yeah. Not yet. Well said. Man, yeah, totally. Like, 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 hey, you guys remember when Pastor Lance killed those people? You remember that? You remember that? Like, I think I should go to Bayside. I think they do not kill people there. Okay, I mean, it's a weird church, you guys. They're doing Ananias and Sapphira. They both die. Peter's like, yep, prayed them dead. You know, and you're like, well, I don't think that's healthy. Okay. It's just a weird act should be our ground floor. That's how we started. That's not what we became. That's how we began. So you read it by watching them kind of stumble through, learn their way. There's so much stuff we're taking for granted. We're like, oh, they knew everything and they had it all figured out. They didn't have anything figured out. We do not have a written account of what a church service looks like until Justin Martyr in 155 AD. It took him 120 years to figure out how to do church. That's crazy, right? Then we all use this, oh, the Trinity, the Trinity. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And oh, it's three in one, blah, blah, blah. Okay, nobody knew that. Right? As a matter of fact, the first time the word Trinity is used is not until Tertullian writes it in 200 AD. That's a long time later. They argue about it, sort it out, sift it out. They finally lock it down at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, but then they argue about it, overturn it, argue about it, relock it down in 451 at the Council of Chalcedon. It took them 420 years to figure the Trinity out. And we take it for granted. Oh, well, everybody knew that. They didn't know that. The idea that the Holy Spirit was equal to Father God did not get locked down until 381 AD. Hundreds of years, people are like, I don't know what's going on. We take it for granted, you guys. We should be learning from them and growing from them. We're still the church. The Apostles' Creed that we call basic doctrine was not written down for 600 years. It's a baby moose church, right? Everything I want this year is more of God, not more of man. You know what I'm talking about? Because I, I think you'll agree with me. I want everything God wants for us and nothing he doesn't want. But I know there's more. I know there's more power for us to interact with. I know that there's more freedom we can bring. I know there's more transformation to be had. We just gotta walk in it, yeah? I think that's what this year is about. So sure enough, this next week, boom, we're gonna start going line by line through it, and it's gonna be awesome. 
Now, I will tell you this, just real quick, one side note. If you're brand new, right after the service, uh, I'm gonna be upstairs and our team is gonna be able to greet you and meet you. So if you're brand new, just find your way upstairs and we'll, we'll come and see you. But to close out, there's a couple things. Number one, uh, I'm just gonna pray for the anointing to fall upon us. Is that all right? I'm gonna pray for the anointing of God. Number two, if you never believed in the miraculous, just know this, I ended 10 minutes early. Y'all, that's virgin birth style. Because it is never gonna happen again, I'm telling you right now, amen? All right, yeah, all right, let's pray, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sure love you, we sure thank you that you have been so kind and gracious to us. You blessed us that we might be a blessing. Lord, would you just show us the power or Holy Spirit just light us up a flame that we would be able to walk out in the confidence, in the excitement, in the joy, and in the power of you that we might be able to help our neighbors and set them free and pray over them and heal what needs to be healed and transform what needs to be transformed. Fix the marriage that is unsavable. Lord, that it would fix our kiddos that are unsavable, that Lord, that this power would begin to rage throughout our church. And Lord, yes, we know that comes with mess. If we just have people engaging with supernatural stuff, it comes with mess. But Lord, we just want more of you, more of you, more of you in our lives, in our hearts, in this church. So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you just rain down? Would you rise up? Would you refill us? Would you anoint us? Would you baptize us? Would you transform us? All of that right here, right now, over this beautiful church, that God, that we might be the people you designed us to be, equipped in the way you designed us to be equipped, that the world might be transformed to your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.